I, uh, y'all really don't want to miss next Tuesday night. Choir practice, right? That's next Tuesday. Y'all don't want to miss that. And it's going to be powerful. And I just, I just say, may the fourth be with you is all I say for that. <laughs> Come on now, who's awake? Hey, man, I like it. And if you didn't get that, I'm sorry for you, but I don't take it back. Come on now. I like it. Brother Pope will never let me come back after that right there. I already got one sitting right here. It's just like, I'm just, come on, give me the force. Star Wars, y'all, that's what I'm talking about. Okay, I got a little car on the pulpit. Brother Pope, please forgive me. Yeah, man, well, I, I, uh, you say, what are you doing? I'm trying to get my nerves out because I'm nervous about preaching. That should be the normal, but I am. Uh, I'll say a couple things before I get there. Uh, first of all, thank you to this church for many things. Their church means more than I'll ever be able to tell you. But uh, thank you for praying for my little boy. Uh, man, um, he's been a sick little dude, I'll be honest with you. And uh, he's a miracle. He's a miracle. And you say, what all happened? Well, it was a long story. He had bacterial meningitis, was in the hospital for 17 days, and and uh, he was sick. First five, six days of the hospital. I'll be honest with you, I didn't, uh, I didn't think we was going to bring him home. I really didn't. He was sick. He was out of it. Woke him up on Thursday morning. He went to bed on Wednesday night, normal, running around like a maniac at church Wednesday night. And uh, Thursday morning, we woke him up unresponsive. And man, whew, scary. You say, how's he here tonight? Because of churches and people just like you that's praying. And man, we thank you for praying. He's a miracle. He really is. And doctors told us he is. And I like it when doctors have to say that's a miracle. And Because uh, I love, I mean, I'm, I, I believe in science or whatever, but I believe more in God. And um, I'm thankful God's real. I was telling these sweet ladies over here before church, nobody ever convinced me God ain't real. Nobody ever convinced me prayer don't work. Nobody ever convinced me that he can do for us what he's done for so many others. I'm glad God's real tonight. And uh, thank you for praying. Got one on the way. That beautiful baby screaming right there. I love it. Don't you think one bad thing about that? I love it. Good night. I got one on the way. I got another little kid on the way. I got a little girl on the way, and uh, she'll be here in, I don't remember. My wife's not in here to tell me. <laughs> September. She didn't hear that, so shh, don't tell her. Uh, first of September is when we'll have her, Lord willing, and, and uh, we're going to name her. I shouldn't tell you her name because she's not here yet. Somebody pregnant will steal her name. I'm just kidding. I'm not that person. Her name is going to be Jana Ray, and that's her name. Jana Ray, she's going to be our little ray of sunshine in a dark year. And, uh, man, we're looking forward to her getting here. But anyway, and I told her, I sit back here. I said, Bree, did I miss anything? She said, you could have told him I was pregnant. I said, yes, ma'am, I sure will. <laughs> and uh, she didn't say it like that, but anyway. I want you to take your Bible, and I, but I wanted to say thank you to this church. Y'all meant so much to us. Uh, with prayer, not only with prayer, y'all sent us a, an overwhelming love offering our family, and I just want to say thank you uh, during this time that we're living in uh, that, with our little boy. But God's able. He's got, I'll say this. Uh, I'm not going to preach real long, so that's why I'm talking right now. Uh, next Wednesday, May the 5th, maybe the 4th will do something, help us a little bit, but uh, May the 5th, he's having surgery. Uh, do uh, bacterial meningitis, one of the, one of the ma- most common things that's from it is hearing loss. Uh, and he suffers from that right now. His right ear, uh, just two weeks ago, they told us his right ear was partial hearing. His left ear is completely gone, no hearing at all. 
And uh, we had a hearing test last, uh, last week, week before last, time's flying. Uh, and, and it's changed. They had an MRI and a hearing test, big hearing test they had to put him to sleep for. I don't understand all that, but they did. And uh, his right ear, his right ear is completely normal. He's like, how did that happen? It was, I thought it was bad. No, God, that's how that happened. And it's completely normal, and his left ear still is uh, no hearing. So on next Wednesday, May the 5th, they're going to do surgery. And a lot of prayer went into this decision, and a lot of thinking, a lot of con- uh, consults, if you will. Uh, but they're going to do cochlear implant, one, in his left ear. And that's pretty rare to have one, just one. They've just started doing that in the last few years. But I'm thankful science is where it is. I'm thankful for technology. And I'm glad we live in the day we live in. Because if this had happened 15, 10, even 10, five years ago, he would have just had to live like that. And uh, I'm thankful that uh, for what God's given doctors. Because they're smart. They're smarter than I am. I promise you that. But uh, anyway, take your Bible. Turn to the book of Second Kings this evening. It is uh, joy and honor to be standing in this pulpit. I hope you know what you have in your pastor. Amen. There's every pulpit and every place I get to stand, I'm nervous. I hope you understand that. I'm always nervous. But there's some places I'm just a little extra nervous, and I'm standing in one tonight. And your pastor is one of my heroes. I mean that. I think he's one of the greatest preachers in America right now. I love it. Amen. And I, I, I love Brother Pope. I love Brother Stephen Pope. And I hope you know what you got because you've got a jewel and Brother Stephen and Miss Tammy. I really believe that. And uh, if you didn't listen to the episode on Strengthen the Things That Remain podcast, Brother Bradley Boone, Brother Todd McKinn, and your pastor that come on Monday night at 5 o'clock on Concord Baptist Church Facebook page, you missed a blessing. He talked about longevity in the ministry. Blessed me. And I wish I was here so I could tell him so. If he's listening... He's not listening because he's preaching right now. So he goes back and listens. Thank you, preacher, that helped me. But anyway, 2 Kings chapter number 13. We're going to read just a couple verses. And uh, I've started something new, really, in life. I've started doing impressions. Uh, I don't think I'll do any tonight, but I've started doing impressions. And uh, the other day, I was doing one that I kind of like to do. I was doing a flamingo. And, uh, yeah, and my wife got mad at me, and I had to put my foot down. So, anyway, 2 <laughs> Kings. Man. They just rolling tonight, y'all. Y'all just better be ready for it. That's the funniest one I've ever told in my life right there. If you don't laugh at that one, get out. I'm just kidding. It's the best, okay? Anyway, hey, don't know what the Bible said? A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. It's all right to laugh. Yeah, man? I like to laugh. I think maybe t- sometimes I like to laugh too much, but that's okay. Let's go to the Bible, okay? I'm going to read the verse this time. Second Kings chapter 13. That's all stand. For reverence and respect for our King James Bible. I sure do love my Bible. And I love God's Word. And man, I hope you know what you're holding in your hands when you hold the King James Bible. And I love it. I love it. Let's read two verses. Verse number 20 and verse 21. And Elisha died. And they buried him. And the bands of the Moabites invaded the land at the coming in of the year. Now, verse 21 says, And it came to pass as... They were burying a man, and it's not Elisha, it's another man, that behold, they spied a band of men, and they cast the man into the sepulcher of Elisha. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood up on his feet. That's pretty amazing. Can we just read those two verses one more time? I love those verses. And Elisha died, and they buried him. And the bands of the Moabites invaded the land at the coming end of the year, 
And it came to pass as they were burying a man that behold, they spied a band of men and they cast the man into the sepulcher. And when the man was let down and, uh, and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood up on his feet. Thank you for standing tonight. You can be seated. I love this passage of scripture. And in our text right here, we find we're a patriarch of the faith. He, uh, he passes away. Elisha dies. Elisha dies and has gone off the scene. And, and I think it's safe to say uh, that when most people die, most people are buried, uh, and their life is over here on earth, that uh, that's pretty much all you hear from them, right? At least I hope so. Come on. <laughs> I mean, I, I've had loved ones die, and, I, and you know, I'm... I hate to lose anyone, and I know that when you're talking about death, sometimes it's easy for some people to not understand what I'm talking about right now and the humor that I may try to pull from it, and I try not to, but death is a serious thing. But I'll just be honest with you, I don't really want to hear from anyone that's, on, that's going on. Can I just, can, y'all okay with me saying that, okay? Because usually when somebody dies, that's all you hear from them. But that's not the case with Elisha. Elisha dies here in verse number 20, and then we see an incident that concerning Elisha that takes place after his death. I think that's amazing. I think it's so interesting that this supernatural incident happened at his sepulcher after Elisha has died, and it's a miracle God did using Elisha after he died. It's almost an unbelievable story. Honestly, there's a lot of stories like that in the Bible, almost unbelievable. It's almost hard for me to believe that a dude fell in the grave, touched Elisha's body, his bones, and boom, he come back to life. It's hard to believe. But you know what? I believe it. Amen. You know why? Because it's what the Bible said. You know, sometimes it's hard for me to believe it. Jonah swallowed a fish. I mean, the fish swallowed Jonah. You say, anyway, I'm just making sure y'all wait. But you know what? I believe it. You know why? Because that's what the book said. There's a whole lot of stories on there. If you try to look on it with your flesh and the eyes of your flesh, you're not going to believe it. But that's, that's where faith comes into play. Yeah. Sometimes I wonder, what, I wonder where people's faith is. Because with faith, the eyes of faith, I believe everything this book has to say is true. It's the truth. You can take it to the bank, honey. It's true. The Bible is true. And I love it. Job, he really lived. Yeah. He really went through all that. I think about Daniel. He really was thrown into a den of lions. Stayed overnight with him. Had a sleepover with lions. and They didn't kill him. I believe God gave him lockjaw. Come on. That's an unbelievable story, but I believe it. It really happened because the Bible says so. Yes. It's really good. I just don't want to preach it on. I'm just, just hitting it while I'm driving by. You know what? It's a real good day in your life. It's a good day in your life. When you just learn to believe every word that's in that Bible. Amen. Just believe it. Amen. You say, well, that, give me a reason. No, no, just believe it. It's God's word. Just put faith in God. That's what faith is. It's the faith, faith substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. It's faith don't make sense. Right? But I believe every single word of it. It's God's word, friend. And right here we see God performed a miracle using Elisha after his death. It blows my mind. I want to preach on this thought tonight, on these two verses. I want to preach on this, the gospel from the grave. I want to preach on the gospel from the grave. You say, you're going to try to preach on the gospel out of those two verses. I sure am. I'm going to preach on the gospel from the grave. I want to show you three things. 
First of all, I want to show you the man in the sepulcher. Oh, yes. Verse number 20 tells us that Elisha died and was buried. After almost 60 years of service to our Lord and Savior, Elisha, his life, come to an end. And Elisha's death here teaches us some important truths. First of all, I'll say this. Elisha's death teaches us the certainty of death. Oh, yeah. You know, there's a few things you can count on in this world, in this life. There's a few things you can count on. Uh, one of the things I love that you can count on is the sun coming up every morning. Amen. You can count on it. I love watching it. In my house, my bedroom, I, I may have set it up this way on purpose when we built the house, but my bedroom's on the opposite end of the house that the sun comes up. And uh, in case I want to sleep in, the sun ain't going to wake. I'm just kidding. But I know I love going upstairs where my office is and I can look out the window and I can see the sun piercing through the trees. Every morning, if you'll jump on there with me on the morning at breakfast, I'm sitting usually in my office and, uh, and, and I look out the window and I can see the sun piercing through them trees. I love it. You can count on the sun coming up every morning. There's some things you can count on. You can count on a Baptist preacher liking to eat. You can count on that. I'm living proof, okay? You can count on it. Trust me. You know what else you can count on? Hey, man, you know what you can count on? You can count on your wife being right. Did you know that? You can count on that. Amen. Don't say amen. That's not where you're not. Don't, don't say amen right there. You're going to get in trouble. My wife's in the nursery. I ain't got to worry about it. She's gone. Oh, damn, gun it. She can hear me. Here's the deal. I'm just kidding. You can count on some things. You know what else you can count on? You can count on death. You can count on it. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9, it's appointed unto men once to die, and after this the judgment. The Bible says you can count on death. And it don't matter who you are. don't matter who you are. If you're rich or poor, you can count on death. If you're saved or lost, you can count on death. It's appointed unto men once to die. And not only does this... Elisha's death teaches the certainty of death. I believe it teaches us the consequences of the death of the godly. You say, well, why is that? Well, let's read the verse again. The Bible says, and Elisha died and they buried him. I'm going somewhere. I hope you stay with me, okay? And Elisha died and they buried him. And the bands of the Moabites invaded the land at the coming end of the year. The bands of the Moabites invaded the land. You see, you got to always read and stay in context, Okay? You got to stay in the verse. See, sometimes we're just going to look at Elisha died and they buried him and just go, oh man, we sure did lose a good one there. But no, you'll lose a serious, oh man, you'll, you'll miss an important lesson if you don't follow up and read the rest of that verse. Look at it. If we disassociate the sentence reporting Elisha's death with the following sentence, which reports the invasion of the Moabites, you're going to miss a great lesson because when the godly... When the godly are taken out of the land, a great blessing, a great blessing is taken out of the land that, uh, that countries and nations can ill afford to lose. When, when the godly is taken out, when Elisha was taken out, the Bible said, it was, it I don't think God put that there by mistake, okay? God put there just in perfect order. As soon as Elisha died, those marauding, stealing, robbing Moabites entered into the land. Immediately, That's what I believe because that's how the Bible put it. That's how the Bible put it. So you know what I see? Immediately when Elisha's taken out, it gives room for the devil. And when somebody is taken off, it gives room for somebody needs to fill the spot. Right? You're taking the assembly line. 
You got 20 people working on that assembly line. You take one person off of it, it's, it's going to go into a big old mess. Somebody needs to have to step up and get in that spot and help it to keep on going. I got to studying this this week. I got to studying this, this passage. And I got to studying about Elisha because I've heard it preached all my life and I didn't know if it was true or not. You ever heard stuff preached a lot but you've never studied it out for yourself? Well, this is where I was. I've heard people talk about it all the time. Nobody followed up Elisha. And I've, I've heard that and I'm going there. I'm going I'm to tell you about it. Do you know what? Elisha follows Elijah, right? Elisha picked up the man of Elijah. Elisha prayed for a double portion of what Elijah had. We know that. Wouldn't it have been easier on our part if God would have just spread out Elijah and Elisha just a little bit? I mean, like George. Couldn't George have come after Elijah instead of Elisha? I say Elisha for Elijah and Elijah for Elisha all the time. I get mixed up because they're so close together. But Elisha... Some of y'all have no idea what I'm talking about. But Elisha picked up the mantle of Elijah. And I got to thinking about this right here, Brother Brandon. Who picked up Elisha's mantle? Elisha picked up Elijah's mantle. But who? Even figuratively speaking, who picked up Elisha's mantle? You know something sad? Nobody. Nobody. In fact, if you study it out, over 50 years goes by. <laughs> I'm going to say that again. That's a long time. 50 years. 50 years goes by until you hear of another, until we have record of anybody else doing anything for God. You know who it was? It was Amos and Hosea. That's 50 years. After Elisha is what we have a record. Amos and Hosea. You say, oh, I don't know about that. Just go study it out, okay? Here's what I got thinking about. There's been a lot of great preachers. There's been a lot of great preachers in the last two three, five years that have died. Now, I could go through and name a bunch of them. I think about Brother Sammy Allen. Amen. Oh, man, what a man of God. I think about Dr. Stenet Ballou, one of my favorite preachers on missions. Good night, I love it. You're talking about missions emphasis? Good night. Dr. Ballou could preach it. I think about so many others. Brother Goolsby, I think about, I could go on and go on. You know, I got to reading this and studying this. It was God just, mm, he, mm, he, he got a hold of me, friend. And you know what he said? Hey, if somebody don't step up, the same thing that happened in Elisha's day is going to happen in your day. Amen. Because you know what? I got, I got two grandpas that's still alive, still preaching the book. Two of the greatest preachers in America. Don't say anything else because it's the truth. Amen. Well, y'all know Dr. Alan Mark and Dr. Ronnie Simpson. You know what? I love them to death, but they ain't going to be around forever. Amen. They ain't going to be around forever. You know what we need? We need somebody to come up and fill the gap. You say, oh, that's disrespectful. No, it's just the truth, honey. It's the point that men wants to die. Those great men of God, they ain't going to live forever. Elisha didn't live forever. And the sad part about this story is that nobody stepped up and just filled a gap where Elisha was. You say, you're telling me nobody was serving God? I don't know that. I don't believe I'm saying that. But I'm just saying that you don't find record of it for 50 years. I don't believe there's nobody serving God, but I, I just believe this. If there was somebody doing an unbelievable work for Christ, for the Lord, I believe that we'd have a record of it. I just believe that. And they don't find a record of it. Elisha dies, and that's it. Oh, man. Let me ask you a question. If Brother Pope was gone, off the scene, for whatever reason, boom, gone from Calvary, what would this church be like in five years? 
I'm preaching to you what God hit me with, okay? <laughs> I've already got hit by this a few times, all right? What would happen at Thanks to Calvary, my church, if my dad, my pastor, Dr. Jeremy Simpson, if he was gone from Thanks to Calvary, what would the church look like in five years? I pray that somebody would come up, God would have somebody, that you would be willing. God's always got somebody, but sometimes it's the willingness of the people. God can't make you do something for God. But, oh, I pray to God somebody would step up and be willing to do a work for God, even if their leader was gone. Sometimes we rely too much on the leader. And I thank God for my pastor. You should thank God for the pastor God's given you. My opinion, you got one of the best in the country. What if he is gone? What would happen next? Maybe they don't bother you, and maybe they don't prick your heart like it does mine. But, friend, that challenges me. It burdens my heart. Somebody's going to have to step up. Somebody's going to have to do something for God. Well, preacher, I just don't know if there's anything to do. Oh, no, that's a terrible thing to say. There's always something to do for God. Always. Yep, man. Yeah, man, there's always something to do for God. Don't. I got to think about this and I got to move on. I'm not going to, I told you I'm going to preach long. I think I lied to y'all. Okay, but here we go. You know what I would hate to be? I'd hate to be the people of God that lived in this day after 2 Kings chapter number 13, verse 20. I'd hate to be a Christian living there at the judgment seat of Christ. That's what I'd hate to be. You know, when I get to heaven, I get to the judgment of Christ, I don't want to go empty-handed. I want to do something for God. I hope you do feel the same way. The man in the sepulcher, Elisha, the sad part about this is what happened after he died. We can't leave off those Marad and Moabites coming in. There's the menace at the sepulcher, but them Moabites, man. Them, oh, man. Those Moabites, they were the real deal. See, what was happening right here was a funeral was being concluded. We see that in verse number 21. And uh, when the band of Moabites was seen nearby and the Moabites was invaded Israel at the coming end of the year, that was not uncommon. The beginning of the year for Jewish, uh, the Jewish calendar is around April. And what that would be is that would be the common time for raids because that was when the barley crops were harvested. So it shouldn't be surprising that the Moabites was coming in because they were coming to steal the barley. That's what they were doing. But the word spied right there in verse number 21 it, it, it means to meet or to come upon. It means that they came near. They come upon these Moabites. And the Bible doesn't really give us much detail to all that really takes place here. But if I can just go in between the lines just for a second, okay? I'm looking forward to we get to heaven. I'm looking forward to the moment that God lets us read the white of the Bible. Y'all know what I'm talking about? The words are in black. In the New Testament, they're in red. There's some white in between the lines. I'm looking forward to reading that. And uh, you know what? God don't give us much detail right here in this text. But uh, <laughs> these pallbearers, if I can just read between the lines, I think they got scared. Yeah, I think they got scared. They seen these Moabites. They were mean. They were menaces. They were mean. And I see they seen these Moabites. These pallbearers got scared. And they threw this fellow, this dead man. They threw him into Elisha's sepulcher. You say, how do you know that they threw him? Because that word right there, when it says that they cast the man, it means that in haste, they threw him away. They, it means to hurl. Not like throw up, but like to, to hurl, okay? Make sure y'all still listening. It means to cast, right? They threw this man. They were, they were getting out of Dodge, honey. They were gone. 
They were ready to leave. Why? Because they were scared. These pallbearers here, they threw this Moabite. And right when these men show up and these fellows, they get scared. These pallbearers, they throw this man. There's a miracle that takes place at the sepulcher. That's really what I want to get to. The miracle at the sepulcher. We've seen the man, Elisha. We see the menace, those Moabites, but there's a miracle that takes place here. This man gets revived. <laughs> Can I say this? What a funeral. <laughs> oh my goodness. Look, I don't, I don't love funerals. I don't really know anybody that does, okay? Let's be honest there. I don't like, I, I, and I've been to a bunch of them. I don't love them. I'm, I, I'm thankful that I've been to some that are a lot better than others. I'm glad when you can go to a funeral that there's hope at. It's a celebration of life, what I like to call it. Yep. You know, I'm looking forward to the day. I shouldn't say that. But in my funeral, I, I, I'll be like a fellow I heard one time. I want to put the fun in funeral. And uh, I'm just kidding. That's funny right there, though. And uh, <laughs> my grandma, y'all are making it so easy to preach tonight. And I'm getting where I want to. But my grandma, she's always said this. She's crazier than a bed bug, I promise you. Because this is what she says she wants us to do at her funeral. She wants to have an open casket. And uh, she wants us to put a spring behind her body. And when they come out, see, y'all know where I'm going in this story. They, she wants to be laying there, and all of a sudden, somebody released that thing, and she gets, just raises up in the casket. That's crazy right there, okay? Good night. But uh, that's kind of what happens at this funeral. If you really think about it, that's what happens at this funeral. This man that was just dead seconds prior, he's running now with the pallbearers away from the Moabites. Can you imagine what those pallbearers were thinking? Oh my goodness, can you imagine that? Can you imagine what the Moabites were thinking when they saw this man that was just dead seconds prior? He's now running with his grave clothes on? Oh my goodness, I guarantee you they did some running themselves. They was running away. Reminds me of a story. I got to get off these stories, but it reminds me of a story of my grandpa. He was, uh, this is years ago, this is before I was ever here. And uh, he was at Turner's Creek Baptist Church. That's where he pastored in, in Courtney. And uh, he used to do radio broadcast way before CDs, all right? This tapes, y'all. This is cassettes. This is a real deal. And uh, man, I hated those things. I still remember cassettes. I hated them. But you know what? He did some cassette tapes of radio broadcasts, and he would do them all at one time. He would just do a bunch of them at one time. He was over at Turner's Creek, and the Parsons was here. Turner's Creek was here, still is that way. And then there's this massive graveyard in between. And uh, there's this road in between the graveyard that goes from the Parsons to the church. Well, my dad, who was then dating Dr. Barker's daughter, and my uncle, Brother Jonathan, they got this big idea. They went down to the graveyard, and, uh, and where this road come through, there's big old headstones on both sides. So the house is that way, the church is that way. Here comes my grandpa. My dad's on this side. My uncle's on this side. They're hiding behind them big old headstones. And here comes my grandpa, like he's right here with all them cassette tapes. He gets to right here, and they jump out, and boom, them cassette tapes go everywhere because he's jumpy like that. But them cassette tapes, them cassette tapes go everywhere. You say, why? Because ain't nobody want to hear nothing coming out of a graveyard. Come on. I won't be somewhere else. I remember we used to play as kids in the graveyard at night. What? Why? Dumb. I don't want to be in there. That's scary, man. It is. Y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. That's scary. You don't believe me? You go out in the middle of a graveyard at 12 o'clock at night and you don't think you... You can get out of there, friend. 
That's exactly kind of what happens right here. This fellow that was just dead seconds prior is now alive. And you know what? We don't really hear much after about this. We don't hear much about the Moabites after this for a little while. You know why? Because God's got unique ways of getting done what he wants to get done. Think about that. Sometimes you don't understand why you're having to go through what you're going through. Sometimes you don't understand why something has happened and you just think it's so un... It's just rare. It's weird. You don't understand what's happening. It could be God's just working to fix something that has gone wrong. That's what he did here. Very unique way of fixing a problem, brother. But he did it. I don't know. That's a little Simpsonology for you right there. It's probably not right, but it's a good thought. God has unique ways of doing things. Oh, yeah, man, he does. I don't understand if things ever happened in my life. One thing I do know is I just got to trust God. Even though when I don't understand it, I don't know why things are happening the way they are. I'm just going to lean on him, trust him, because he's right. He's, he's faithful and true, and uh, his ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are not our thoughts, not even close. He's got unique ways of doing what he wants to do. But I want to preach this. I finally got to where I want to go to, the gospel from the grave. See, I told you, y'all make it way too easy to preach. I want to preach this for a second on the gospel. I, say, I believe there's a beautiful picture of it right here in our text. It's short, I promise you. You say, well, let, let's hear it. Okay, here we go. This fellow that is dead, in verse 21, they're taking a dead man to the sepulcher. I believe this fellow can be a, a great picture of people today that are lost without the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, what do you mean? Well, this man in the tomb, he's forsaken. He has... Been forsaken, he's helpless. He's got no hope. He's hopeless in his state. He's dead physically. Same is true for us. Before Christ came in our heart and saved us, we were hopeless. We were forsaken. We had no help. Son, we were helpless. We had no hope in ourselves. Just like he was physically dead, we were spiritually dead. The Bible said in Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 1, and you have he quickened. Be made alive, friend. That's what it means. Have to quicken who were dead in trespasses and sin. This dead man's a type of the lost soul without Christ. Dead with no hope. But through the death of Elisha, this dude that's dead, got no hope, got no, he's forsaken. This dude is dead. Now is made alive through the death of Elisha. I got to thinking about a death that we can get some life from too. You know what? Not only did this fellow gain life from the death of Elisha, but friend, through the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, we can have life. Oh, yes, we can. The Spirit of God touches our hearts. Yes, it does. And then we put faith in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. When we, through the death of Christ, you know what we receive? We receive life. Yes, we receive life. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse number 10, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, oh yeah, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 12, he that hath the son hath life. He that hath not the son <laughs> hath not life. The dead man is a picture of the lost person. Elisha is a picture of Christ. But then there's one more picture. This is a man that has been made alive. He's been quickened by the bones of Elisha. I believe as soon as this man was resurrected, you know what, resurrected, you know what he faced? 
He faced opposition. He faced the Moabites. Man, it's, I, just, I love typology. You know the Bible's a beautiful thing. This man that was just dead has been made alive through the death of Elisha. And as soon as he comes to life, there's opposition that is in front of him. And when a person trusts in Christ, Amen. when a person trusts in Christ, he or she faces opposition from Satan, from the world, from the flesh, immediately after you get saved. I don't know who told you that the salvation and the living for God's a cakewalk, because they lied to you, friend. Salvation and living for Christ is not easy. It's simple, but it's not easy. The Bible said in Galatians 4, 29, but as then he hath, that was born after the flesh persecuted him, that was born after the spirit. Even so it is now. We're going to face persecution. The Bible says this in John 15, 18, if the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. 1 Corinthians 4, 13, being defamed, we entreat, we are made as the filth of the world and are the offscuring of all things under this day. Friend, if you're saved, you're gonna face troubles. You're gonna face opposition. You know what I wanna say tonight though? In spite of difficulties, in spite of opposition, in spite of the obstacles that you're gonna face on a daily basis, friend, I pray that we not shackle our faith, that we not hinder our faith, that we not shackle our fervency for the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh yes, may we not have any qualms about giving God 100%. 100% of ourselves to the Lord. There's no doubt we're gonna face hard times. The Bible said in Job 14, one, we quote it all the time, but it's just so true. Man that is born of a woman is of a few days and full of trouble. We're gonna face hard times. We're gonna, we're gonna struggle at times. But my prayer is that we stand fast, we stand strong in the Lord. Why? Because it's worth it. Amen. Yeah, man, it's worth it. He, let me say it that way. He is worth it. You know, I got to thinking though about this text. And I'm almost done. I want you to stay with me just for a few more minutes. I got to thinking about this. This man in the text that I told you is a type of the lost person before Christ. Through the death of Elisha, he becomes alive. Elisha is a type of Christ. And then this man's a type of the, of, the, of the saved person that faces opposition. I thought about this fella. Do you know, I don't know who he is. No idea. I don't know who he is. I don't know this guy's name. I don't. Baba, don't give us record of that. I don't know his name. I don't know his family. I don't know. After this moment, I do not know what he did with his life. I don't know if he ever did anything for Christ. I don't know. All I know is that he was dead <laughs> and now he's alive. Yeah, that's all I know about him. That's a pretty good thing to know about somebody, but that's all I know about him. You know what? Here, let me give you something that really helps me. The world may never know who I am, brother. They may never know my name. They may never know what I'm doing for the Lord. They may never know my family. They may never know what I try to do in my life for Jesus. But one thing I hope they can, I, oh man, one thing I hope they know about me is that I once was dead. <laughs> oh yes, friend. I once was dead and now I'm alive. Yeah, man. Friend, you may not know anything else about me and that's okay, but you need to know one thing about me, honey. I ain't dead no more. I'm alive. I'm going to say it one more time. I said I ain't dead. I'm alive. Hey, man. I don't care if you know anything about me, but I want you to know that. I want you to know that, man. I want you 
want you to know that there was a there was a Jesus Christ that went to a hill called Calvary, died for my sin, and I went from death to life. Amen. Woo! I ain't dead no more. I'm alive. You said you're crazy. You need to calm down. You're going to have a heart attack. You might be right, but you know what? That's all right. You say, you're crazy. Ain't no sense in acting that way. Okay. I got something for you. Brother Rodney up here, I hope this doesn't happen, but I'm just going to use his illustration, okay? Brother Rodney goes goes home tonight. Gets in his recliner, and he's going to start in his day. And he goes to sleep, and he never wakes up. I hope I don't have a night, but it could. It could. It's, it's for the man wants to die. We don't know when. We just know we're going to die someday. I hope, I mean, I'm going to be all right with the rapture. But <laughs> I'm just saying, do you know what? It's for the man wants to die. It could be tonight for you. Say, Brother Rodney goes to sleep when he never wakes up on this side of glory. And I say, what's today? Wednesday? Say Sunday afternoon comes around. I don't know when. Sunday afternoon, they bring his body. They got it at the funeral home. They bring his body to Calvary Baptist Church in Union Grove, North Carolina. And they roll him down this, in this beautiful church. And they roll Brother Rodney right here in front of this beautiful pulpit. They lay him right, and he's laid right there in a coffin. All of a sudden, we start doing his funeral. All of a sudden, don't do this to us, brother. But all of a sudden, Brother Rodney, here comes that bald head right out of that coffin. <laughs> Here he comes. He wakes up. He gets up out of that coffin. He sets up. You know what I bet he'll do? I bet he'll do this right here. He'll get up. He'll walk right here. And he'll sit down. I bet he'll do this right here. Amen, preacher Pope. You go ahead. You got it, brother. You preach it. You preach me into heaven now. Come on. Friend, if you think he's doing that, you need more help than I can give you. He ain't going to do that. You know what he's going to do? Hey, y'all. Hang on. Time out, honey. I don't really know exactly everything that just happened. All I know is that I was dead five minutes ago. And I'm breathing. I'm alive. You know what you'd do on Monday? You'd walk out of there. This is work. Actually, let's just go Sunday evening. You'd walk out of that church building, and there ain't really nothing around here except for about 15, 20 minutes down the road. You'd go somewhere where somebody's at, and you'd say, You ain't gonna believe my story. You ain't gonna believe what happened to me. I was dead. I, hey, no, I mean like really dead. I'm talking about dead as a door now. Door dead as some of the Baptist churches are in this state. I'm talking about dead. And you know what happened? I was there. They was about to have my funeral. And all of a sudden, friend, me and my little bald head come up out of that, come up out of that, come up out of that coffin, came up out of that casket, and I was alive. You ain't going to believe this. And then he goes somebody else. Hey, you ain't going to believe what I'm about to tell you. I was dead. Y'all hear me? I was dead. And then on them, oh man, on that Sunday afternoon, I was in Calvary Baptist Church. I, I know you ain't gonna believe it, just listen to me anyway. I was in that funeral. It was my funeral, because I was dead. And I came back to life. What? I came back to life, y'all. And you know what? We wouldn't say one thing bad about Rodney, because that's exactly what I do too. If that story, Lord, don't let it be true. But if that story come back, 
Ain't nobody in this building going to talk bad about Brother Rodney for running everybody and all around this little hill, these hillsides, run up in Wilkes County, run down to Mecklenburg and trying to get somebody to understand down there. Come somebody help me. Somebody to understand down there that he was dead and now he's alive. Mm-hmm. Ain't nobody going to talk bad about him. But time out. That's the same thing. Yeah. That's the same thing that's happened to every single one of us that's been saved by the good grace of God. Oh, yes, it is. Friend, in the eyes of well, I'm feeling real good up here. In the eyes of God, I was as dead man. I was as good as gone. But there was one day, by the death of my heavenly Elisha, that his bones touched me and I came back to life. You know what? I was dead, but I'm alive now, friend. You know what I want to do with the rest of my life? I want to go around telling somebody, hey, I was dead, but through the death of Jesus Christ, I'm alive. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. I ain't dead no more. I said I ain't dead no more. I'm alive. Watch this. I needed that right there. I really did. Y'all are in the wet zone. I just want to tell you that. You know what? I'm doing that physically. But friend, there's something a whole lot bigger on the inside. Oh, Oh, man. There's something a whole lot bigger on the inside of me right now. About to pound my chest open. Not not cardiac arrest. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit, friend. Telling me, hey, I remember you were 17 years old. Well, Lord, help me. I remember when you were 17 years old. You were lost in your sin. You were dead spiritually, brother. You know what happened? I fell on my knees. <laughs> well, hallelujah. I fell on my knees, prayed to a holy God in heaven. I said, dear Lord, please save me. You know what happened that Saturday night? I went from death to life. Amen. You know what I'm going to do with the rest of my life? I'm going to go tell somebody, hey, friend, I was dead, but now I'm alive. Amen. Woo! I was dead, but now I'm alive. That's good. Anybody in here else like that? Was you dead at one time, but you're alive now? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, that may not help y'all, but friend, the, the Lord is doing cartwheels in my soul because I know that I'm unworthy. Oh, man, I'm so unworthy. I don't deserve to be saved. The Lord should have left me dead where I was. I was dead in my sins, and I was fine being there in my flesh. But oh, thank God for the happy day in my life where I found hope. I said I found hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm no longer dead, y'all. I may be when I'm on my way home tonight, but I ain't dead right now. I'm alive. I'm alive. You know what we need to do tomorrow? We need to go tell somebody. We need to go tell somebody because... In this world, there's millions upon millions upon millions of people. There's people you come into contact with every day that is dead. They're dead. You know what? They got no hope. They're just like that fell in the grave. They got no hope. They're forsaken. They're helpless. They got no hope in themselves. They're spiritually dead. But oh, hallelujah, you can go tell them about our heavenly Elisha and the bones that was crucified on Calvary's hill. You can tell them how they can have life. Hallelujah. I ain't dead, y'all. I'm alive. I guarantee you that fellow, when he got out of that grave that day, I guarantee you, he didn't go home quietly. You know what we ought to do every time we come to church? 
son, it ought to be in some form or fashion, probably a little bit calmer than what I just did. You know why? Because if you went from death physically to life physically, same thing spiritually. He was dead. Jesus saved you. He quickened you. He gave you life. The Bible said in John 10, 10, the thief cometh not but, to, but for to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I have come that they might have life, have it more abundantly. Yes. You know, I came all the way 25 minutes down the road. That's a long way, in it? You know what I came tonight to tell you? There's life. There's life in Jesus. Can we have the pianist come? to the piano and just play softly. I don't know where you are tonight. You may be saved, sanctified on your way to glory. You may be that person. You know what you ought to do tonight? You ought to come around this altar, this beautiful altar. You ought to come down here and just say, you know what, Lord? I sure am thankful this is mine. I sure am thankful for June 22nd. I sure am thankful for June 22nd. 2013, I was dead. I had no hope. I was dead spiritually. <laughs> oh, but thank you, Lord. Thank you that I'm alive. You ought to come tell him that tonight. You may be here that you've never been saved. And you think I'm crazy. And you know what? You're right. I'm crazy. I really am. But you know what? The Lord loves me. <laughs> you know what? The Lord loves you too. If you've never been saved, you know what? Tonight would be a wonderful night for you to come and come down here and get saved because you know what the Bible teaches us that you're dead that's not easy to hear but spiritually speaking you're dead you have no life in you the Bible said for all have sinned this is where the Lord's leading me right now I think it's okay for all have sinned come short of the glory of God we've all done wrong we've all been in that place where we were dead spiritually for the wages of sin is death but the gift of life is eternal life. Woo! It's eternal life for Jesus Christ our Lord. But God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners in that place where we were dead, that's when he loved us. That's when he died for us. You say, how do I get life? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. All you gotta do is just come call on him. Come say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. Lord, I'm wicked. Lord, but I sure do want to go to heaven one day. Oh, Lord, I know I don't deserve to go there, but Lord, if you'd save me, oh, Lord, please save me. That's all it is. That's all it takes. Putting faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, believing in him. That's all it takes. We're standing with our heads bowed and eyes closed. She's going to continue to play. I want to ask you a question. You may be here and you're saved. I don't believe I need a labor invitation. I believe we need to thank God that we ain't dead, that we're alive. But I would like to ask you, you say, preacher, I know 100%. I know that I'm saved. Would you raise your hand? I know I'm saved. No doubt about it. Thank God for those hands. Thank you. You can put them down. There may be somebody here tonight that's not sure if they're saved or not. You don't know. Maybe you are, but you say, preacher, I just don't know if I'm saved. I don't think I'm saved. Would you raise your hand? Nobody's going to point you out. We just want to pray for you. you. Say, preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved or not. I might be, but I'm not sure. By your testimony, that's between you and God. Everybody in here, I don't know. Between you and God. Everybody in here confesses to be saved. 
You know what we ought to do? I say this a second when I mean it. I think I'm okay in, in, in challenging you to come to altar. You know what we ought to do? If you're saved, if you're born again, <laughs> you ought to come to this altar. <laughs> and you ought to just thank Him for being good to you. Thank Him that you're no longer dead in your sins, that you've been made alive through His death, through Calvary's cross. He's given you life. Oh man, it's the best life. It's the abundant life. <laughs> oh man, the Lord sure is good to us. I'll say this, if you're not saved, and this may be wrong with me saying this, but I believe I'm okay. You just don't know what you're missing. <laughs> oh, it's more than just a, a, a play. It's more than just some routine we go through. Friend, the Lord is real. <laughs> He'll move into your heart. It's not some mystical, weird thing, but it's a relationship God wants to have with each and every one of us. Before you leave this church tonight, I challenge you, I beg of you, I beg of you, find somebody to pray with. You can be saved tonight. Lord, I sure do thank you for being good to us. Lord, you are better to us than we could ever deserve. Lord, I love you. Thank you, God, for helping us tonight. Lord, you have blessed my, the fire out of me. Lord, I sure do thank you for that. Thank you for letting me feel in your spirit in this service tonight. Thank you, God, for this church. Sure do love them. Thank you, God, for them. Lord, I thank you, Lord, more than anything I could ever thank you for. I thank you for the day. I thank you for the day that I got saved. Thank you for the moment that I went from death into life. Oh, thank you, God. Lord, I am so unworthy. Lord, I sure am glad that I'm not unwanted. Lord, I sure am glad that you love me, that you commended your love toward me while I was yet a sinner, that you died for me. You knew who I was. <laughs> you knew what I'd do in my life, but you still went to Calvary for me. Lord, that blows me away. God, help us not to get over what you have done for us. Lord, we were dead. <laughs> you have made us alive. Lord, I sure do thank you for that. Lord, we love you. Thank you, God, for all you're gonna do for us. It's your precious in your holy name we do pray. Amen.